Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Listeners, Adam, Sam, and I are back with you for this episode. I'm hangover free this week, which is good, and we'll discuss a midweek win in the cup, another goalless draw, and we'll finish off by looking ahead to the next round of Tuesday night and Saturday games as Stoke come to Deepdale before a trip to the capital on Saturday. Enjoy. Thank you, boys, for, for joining me as always. So, are you both well this week? I know I'm yeah, good, feeling a lot better than I did last week. Yeah, yeah, good, mate. Probably for the best, that. Yeah, bit, bit hungover, but yeah, all right. It's my turn this week. I was going to say, are you on a level with what I was last week, or not? Not quite as bad. Yeah, I don't know if it's kicked in properly yet. Got an early start this week, so still a bit. See pissed. how I feel this afternoon. Probably, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, just a reminder at the start of these episodes, as always, that you can support us here at From the Finney. Um, if you just head over to supported.acast.com forward slash From the Finney and anything donated and, and received is massively appreciated. Also, if you're listening on an Apple device, uh, on Apple Podcasts specifically, then if you could head over to the review section of that and leave us a review, that would be great. We'll start in in a proper order this week instead of just going straight in like we did last week. Cheltenham Town on Tuesday. Sam, I know you were there. Adam, did you, did you end up going on? No, I couldn't make it, um, but I listened in. What are your thoughts? Uh, I think my first thought when he released the team is it was a lot stronger a lineup than I know we predicted on the podcast. I think they said we were expecting, you know, seven or eight changes, but he did feel quite a strong team. I think obviously like Josh Hill was rested. Obviously Liam Lindsay came in, Connor Wickham was under his debut, which was obviously I'm sure we'll come on to that, it was a bit of a downer on the whole night. But he played a strong team and I thought across the whole of the game, apart from maybe 20 minutes after Cheltenham scored I thought we controlled the game very well as you would expect took our chance as well and like you say it's a you know obviously it's led to a good tie in Liverpool it was a professional performance I think you know one that we'd expect but it was a good sign to nicely and nice to get a win under our belts as well Yeah no I completely agree I was probably not surprised because again after we released the pod last week and the more I thought about it and the more I had people tweeting me the more I thought, yeah, there probably is going to be quite a few changes, not not the two or three or three or four that I uh, that I'd predicted. Obviously, Ledson was arrested for yesterday. Yeah, we'll 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 start with Conor Wickham because it it doesn't look good for the lad. Um, obviously, the club haven't come out and said much yet, but it, I think what he lasted maybe two minutes after after the knock, the initial the initial sort of. It looked like a, a kick to his knee from where I was sat. I don't know what you thought, Sam, but similar when, when he went, impacts. Yeah. yeah, when he went down, I thought, oh, it's probably just a bit of an impact. Because he went down first and got up and carried on, didn't he? For, like I say, a couple of minutes. And I thought, oh, he'll be able to run this off. And then 
you're just watching him and he's limping around everywhere and you're thinking, no, this doesn't look good. No. You've just got a feel for him, haven't you? Yeah. The thing is as well, is if you're out if you're out for so long and then you're then coming back and playing, you know, playing more games. It's it's harder to come back, isn't it? Because then all these soft tissue injuries you start picking up. Yeah. Um, and it's just like a vicious cycle, isn't it? To try and get back up to speed. Yeah. And to do it after about six minutes, I mean, he must be in bits, the lad. Yeah, it must be tough, like mentally, to to know what his record is with injuries, and then, like you say, to last six or seven minutes and to to come off and. Yeah, it doesn't doesn't look good. I, I do feel for him. I mean, it's yeah. just though. I mean, we've got. I mean, the same happened with Brown, didn't it? And it's like, I know I said I would have t- I'd taken Wickham after the um, the window closed, and I'd stand by it because there wasn't much else because we didn't get a striker in. But you've got to start looking at like what? Why are we signing these players in the first place? You know, you've got you're taking a massive risk on on players that have got really bad injury records and we've got you know we've got spaces there that you know we could have been filled with some proper recruitment yeah it is unlucky oh. it? but obviously when you look at Izzy Brown's record of injuries over his career and I think Conor Wickham had played like 33 games over the last four seasons we knew this would potentially be the risk and yeah it's very unlucky that it has happened but we knew when we signed these players that this could potentially happen and it's left us in a bit of a sticky situation hasn't it really till the, uh, we can register more players in January. Mm, it, it, well, that it, that's the thing, isn't it? It's it's a squad space now that we can't do anything with. It's filled. But I think pe- people might refer to like the Izzy Brown transfer and the Connor Wickham transfer as like cheap punts. But you, whether they're cheap punts or not, if they're not playing for you and you're paying them, then that's not cheap. That's just a, an expensive waste of money, in my opinion. And we've already got enough of that sat on the bench, not even on the bench, sat on the sidelines, not doing anything in the lads that aren't, aren't in the squad, that are, some of which signed new contracts within the last 12 months. So it's it's frustrating as, as a fan because, like you say, Adam, you know, that, that that's a space in the squad that could be could be filled with a bit of proper recruitment and a bit of money spent on the right player in the right position not criticising the club because obviously they've gone out and spent upwards of a million pound on, on Ali McCann. They've got Josh Murphy in on loan who's probably probably contributing a fair whack towards his wages. I can't imagine Cardiff would let him go out on the cheek. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's frustrating. Very frustrating. The biggest frustration for me is that like three of the recruitments you've bought in in terms of Jamie Thomas, Izzy Brown and Connor Wickham now can't play until at least January or potentially for the rest of the season, it just seems yeah. a massive waste, doesn't it? And yeah, we've had good recruitment with Ali McCann. I'm excited about Josh Murphy, but you like so like Liam Lindsay's injured now and would never really an improvement on Patrick Bauer. Jamie Thomas can't kick a football in the championship and you've had the two injuries to Izzy Brown and Connor Wickham. It just seems like potentially we've been a bit wasteful with our recruitment, which obviously yeah. we're promised, you know, to be quite successful really by uh, Ridsdale in terms of what he said. In terms of Liam Lindsay, um, I think Frankie McAvoy has come out, hasn't he, and said that it doesn't look like it's going to be quite as bad as they first they first thought. Um, my assistant manager sits on the Invincibles just behind the dugout, and he said to me yesterday morning at training that he he, he thought Liam Lindsay had mouthed something along the lines of "I'm fucked." 
to uh, Frankie when he came off on Tuesday night. So obviously good to hear that the initial assessment doesn't seem to be as, as bad as first thought. Um, obviously with his injury, that's led to, to Hunt's coming back into the squad, which from, if we're being honest, is is good from a nostalgia point of view, if nostalgia is the right word to use. I'm not sure. But if I, I mean... I love Hunts. He's been a great servant to the club. Won't won't knock him. Um, but I just don't think he's up to the level anymore, personally. I think, um, like with a lot of our defenders, he could probably still do a job in a back three in the centre. Yeah, I think in in, the, in that Bauer position, I think he, he'd do a job, definitely. But, I mean, let's face it, you know, he's not a top championship centre-back who's, you know, if you've got aspirations of of, you know, eventually getting out of this you know, league. Yeah. You know, he's not going to be somebody who's going to be around next season. But it's great after his, I don't know what exactly what the issues are, but the personal issues, it's great to have him back and he's back in the uh, in the fold now, like you say, from a nostalgia point of view. You've got to yeah, worry if just... Bauer gets injured though, haven't you? That's the, that's the big worry. <laughs> well, uh, you know, we've spoken loads in the past, haven't we, about players that have been out with with long-term injuries and then they've come back and they've picked up niggling injuries here and there. We saw it with Josh Harrett um, when Alex Neal was here. Billy Bowden was another one. And touch wood so far, Pat hasn't had that. So, yeah, let's let's hope he can stay fit and doesn't pick up another injury. Um, but no, I think Tuesday night, I, I agree with you, Sam. I think apart from maybe 10 or 15 minutes with probably five minutes before they scored and maybe 10 afterwards. Other than that, I think we were, we were largely on top, controlled the game and should have had more in the first half. It should have been a lot more comfortable in the second half than it ended up, well, than it looked like it was going to go. You know, managed to get a 4-1 win, which at the end of the day, over the course of 90 minutes, was probably a fair result. Yeah, definitely. Well, Frankie said that the first half is probably the best we played all season and yeah we could have got more I think the third goal Maguire goal was key wasn't it because they were you know you think they got their goal if they scored it might have been a bit different but as soon as Maguire scores and it's you know everyone knows the game's over and then Reese's goal it's a great finish I mean how, how hard did he hit it, it was I know like, yeah the rocket wasn't it flew didn't it um, proper uh, proper daisy cutter on it just dead low low and hard just just on the, the Carabao Cup games that we've played and I think this is probably going to overlap a little bit into what we've got to come later on in the pod and obviously we've not even touched on the Birmingham game yet but there's there's been maybe not that much but there's been a bit of talk about how we've scored 20 goals in all competitions so far this season um, I think the manager's maybe, maybe saying he's made a song and dance about it is a bit strong but he, he's made reference to it I think a lot of other people on social media have made reference to it and don't get me wrong, it's good on the face of it because you can only score goals past what's in front of you. But if you break it down and you strip it back, it's nine goals in nine league games. The other 11 have come against League One and League Two opposition in the Cup. Um, nine goals in nine league games isn't great, let's be honest. Um, it's a very you, misleading start, isn't it? That yeah, it is. Goals one. It is, and it's it's one of them stats where I think I can understand people's point points of view that in the past have criticised 
from the Finney and, and me and Ollie and Jimmy and whoever else where they've said stats can be misleading. I think this is one of those stats, Absolutely. if that makes sense. Um, but do you, do you think there's maybe been a bit too much of a fuss made about it? Or have you not you not seen too much about it? I think I think the fact that the manager referenced to it, I mean, he's obviously... I think one thing that Frankie had to do when he came into the job at the end of last season after the sort of toxicity under the end of Alex Neal's spell is he had to try and sort of lift the place. And I think he's that type of person. He comes across quite like an optimist and he's going to try and raise the morale of the place. I think any chance he'll get to sort of make a good point about himself and the team he's always going to take. I think that's just his persona. And I think mentioning it is something he's always going to sort of do to, you know, make it perhaps seem a bit better than it is, you know, because obviously everyone's talking about this unbeaten run, but at the end of the day, we've won two from nine league games and a run that we played a lot of teams that are either around us or down towards the bottom of the league. And I think potentially just due to the manner of the games that we've drawn up until yesterday, potentially... I think fans are maybe being a bit too optimistic for what the start's actually been. So I think maybe he's just saying these things to sort of keep morale raised, really. Yeah, he's trying to put a positive, positive spin on it, isn't he, really? Well, spin's probably not the right word, but it's definitely a start that's, you know, you can. that's the problem with, with starts, though, isn't it? You can use them to however you want to see fit. You know, if you yeah. want to make something look better, you say we've got, you know, 20 goals in, in whatever games, but... Um, and then if you want to put across the counter-argument, you say, oh, we've only scored nine in nine, uh, nine league games. So it's about how you use it, isn't it? Um, the, 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 I mean, we'll come on to it, but the, the league form is a little bit of a concern, um, especially the draws and how they're deemed to be positive. Um, but, yeah. I think, I, mean, I think to an extent, um, and I said this yesterday in a tweet, I think, being unbeaten is a good habit to have. Um, it's it's not the worst, especially when it's four draws. It's not the worst thing to be in. But and and I'm I'm aware we've not covered the, the the Birmingham game yet, but we'll come on to that. But I think it this run now between now and the Liverpool game, we've got five five league games. We have it's imperative that we start picking up wins in that little run. Otherwise, what's the point in being unbeaten with four draws on the bounce? Well, exactly, yeah. I mean, I, I touched on it last week, how that last season, you know, we were winning and losing, winning and losing, and the, the atmosphere was so toxic because you're up and down. Yeah. You know, you draw four and you only get four points and it's, you know, and everyone's happy. So it's just, it, for me, you know, you, you like you say, Jake, we've got to start picking up wins. And, and if we do pick up a win on, Mon- on uh, Tuesday then the point at the weekend's a good point. Yeah, um, if exactly. you lose on Tuesday, then it's you know it's not a good point. If you lose on Tuesday, it becomes four points out of 15 games since we come back from the international break. And when you look at it like that, it's not great at all, is it? It's the equivalent no. of winning one, drawing one and losing three, which had we picked up the points in that order, I think there'll be a lot more pressure on Frankie and a lot more sort of toxicity from the fan base that we saw at the start of the season. Yeah. Um well we'll 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 talk about the Birmingham game and then we'll we'll wrap part one up. Um then we can talk a little bit more about this this run of games before the Liverpool game because I think there's there's a lot to be said for that, to be fair. But Sam, were you there yesterday? I was, yeah. Made the trip. What, what are your thoughts? What what are your takeaways? Honestly, it was the last few draws you can make sort of 
arguments in each one might have been a good point, but I feel like yesterday was the first one that I've sort of come away a bit frustrated. I mean, we've praised Emil in the past and, you know, I always will praise him. I think he's been excellent this season, but I think he has a massive chance at nil-nil just before half-time where Set plays him in down the right and he sort of fluffs his shot straight at the goalkeeper. And I think that's one big point we're going to have to make about Emil. He's a, he's a... I think he's... I've never known a striker like it, no offence. One minute you're praising him, the next you've, you've got your head in your hands. You think he's certainly exciting, isn't he? And sometimes erratic at times. I think that's the patience we're going to have to have with him. Some games he's maybe going to... You know, he's still young. He's still relatively not played that much first-team football, I think, potentially. If he scores that chance, we're going to win the game tomorrow. So we've just got to be patient with him. But I think that was a big chance for us at nil-nil. Because first half, it was a very open game. Both teams sort of looked like they were trying to win the game. And in the second half, it sort of died down, became long balls from both teams. And the quality sort of really disappeared the longer the game went on. I thought the, um, the Earl chance was a good chance as well, wasn't it? Um, which is good link-up play with uh, with Reese, and he gets in. He's... I think he tries to kid the keeper a little bit, doesn't he, and goes to the near post rather than goes to the, to the far post. Um, but yeah, I think the chances in the first half, you look at it and you think it's probably, it is a bit disappointing, isn't it, that we didn't get the three points? We certainly had the better chances. I know Dini at the crossbar and Iverson made a good save from that. Uh, Chongland, they've got a loan from Man United after about 10 minutes. But apart from that, I didn't think they really threatened that much. It was only us that we're ever going to score and I think that's a frustrating thing because it's not the first time this season or last season we're saying be a bit more clinical in front of goal and you're turning one same, point into three. Same thing, isn't it? That's a frustrating same, thing. It is the same thing and it's been the same thing for a number of years now, hasn't it? And, you know, when you actually, I mean, we did invest in, in Reese, but he's, he's probably going to take a little bit more work. But then, you know, when you're looking at it and you need a striker and you end up signing Wickham, you know, on a you know a punt signing, and then we're still not scoring goals. It's like well you know let's just let's invest properly in a striker, um, and then you know you, you solve that issue. But yeah, it's just the same old story, and it disappointing in the final third. How much of that do you, do you put on Emil? Because I think I think it's a bit harsh to put it all on him. I know the majority of the chances are falling to him, but um, you know he's he's scored. Three goals in the league. He's our leading scorer. Um, he's played. Just looking at, at the list here, he's, he's sixth top scorer in the league. He's the joint youngest. Looking at the ages without going into the months with the five above him, he's played the least minutes of the five above him who scored more. Um, I, I honestly don't think it's an issue at all. I think no. You know, you're putting a lot of pressure on a on a young lad um, to be, you know, banging goals in for fun at, at a championship club with without any real support because there's no one who's anywhere near getting the chances or, or the goals that he's got. So I don't think it's an issue. If he we said it before, if he carries on getting chances, it's not a big issue for me at all. I've, I think no. he'll I think he'll he'll score quite a few this season. I'm confident he'll get 15 plus. I just think well, sort of expecting all the pressure to be put on him in terms of scoring goals because at the end of the day you've got 10 other outfield players you've got a striker next to him you've got Johnston behind who will all hopefully chip in with the majority of the goals but I think that's the frustrating thing yesterday is that he did get that chance and potentially you know not take it and I think that's the championship I'm not expecting him to come in with his first season of getting a proper run of goals and it 20-25 goals but I think we've just got to be patient with him like you say he's doing really well he's 
come on leaps and bounds from last season. But I think at the same time, he's not the finished product yet. But I'm confident that you know he will be with a run of games and hopefully keep improving like he has done. I think the early chance yesterday, from from what I've seen, um, I, I was out, so I couldn't couldn't listen to the game. But yeah, the early chance looked like the biggest one for us, the the best one for us. It's just the way it fell to him. It's on his week of foot and. No disrespect to Josh Earl again. He's come in this season, come on leaps and bounds and been brilliant, but he's not the one you sort of want taking a no. shot on the edge of the six-yard box. You'd, you'd, probably, probably, you'd probably want it to be swapped over. You'd want Earl to be playing Emil in for that chance. And obviously, if, if that is the case, it's on Emil's right foot. It's probably the angle is better for him than the other chance as well. Because I think that's... While Emil's chance was a good chance from what I've seen, I think the keeper does really well to come out quickly and narrow the angle. Um, and obviously makes himself quite big, and it comes comes off his leg. But yeah, I think the ill chance you'd, you'd you'd want it the other way around. You'd want Josh to be playing a male through, and and that chance comes to him on his right foot. But that link up play for that goal, that's where Reese has improved. Like that, he's he's looking like a completely different player with with that yeah. link up play. So yeah, you can see he's just he's improved massively since from last season. I think on Earl, I think. Earl's had a, a good start to the season, but I think the next step for Earl now he starts chipping in with, you know, getting his numbers up a bit with assists and, and chipping in with a few goals and stuff. I think that's the next step for Earl now. And I think yeah. he probably he needs to get he needs to get those numbers up. I think for me, if if you're looking at the end of the season, if he's got somewhere around ten goal contributions, I think I'd say that's probably a, a good starting point because uh, he is still relatively young, isn't he? He's, what is he, 22? Yeah. Something yeah. like that. So, you know, he's he's another one that we get him, we can get him tied down to a longer deal. He's one that you, you can envision being here for years to come and touch wood will hopefully only get better. I think just another point to touch on from, from what I've seen and heard about yesterday is um, just how important it is to have a good keeper that can keep you in games. There was uh, the save that you mentioned before, Sam, from, was it from Tahith Chong? Yeah, in the first half. That was and then there's, uh, there's the, the, the save, half as well. save from Maxime Collan, I think he's called, in the second half, where it's a cross in from the left and it sort of like spills out to him. But it, it from the replay, it looked like it like bounced up a little bit and Dan just managed to get a big hand to it and, and keep it out. But yeah, I think he obviously had quite a shaky start to the season compared to what we had probably gotten used to last season. But he, he looks like the last few games, at least he's he's getting back into the groove and uh, and settling into being the Dan Iverson that we all know and love. We didn't, I honestly didn't believe he's one of the best goalkeepers in the division. Yeah. Oh, exactly. And he was at Leicester for a long time. Didn't really link up with the lads, I don't think, did he, till the week before the start of the yeah, season? Yeah, I don't, I don't think he played that much either for Leicester. I think he played like a couple of halves of a few I think games. He played, yeah, I think he only played 45 minutes in the whole of pre-season. So it was no surprise that he... He was a little bit shaky when he came in, but like you say, Sam, I mean, he is, he is one of the best keepers in the league, isn't he? Without a doubt. Absolutely. Certainly in terms of being a shot stopper as well. I mean, some of the saves he made last season, I mean, that was my first sort of involvement with a podcast or at that article about him. Just after that game with Blackburn, where he made that incredible yeah. save from Adam Armstrong. And in terms of a shot stopper, I've not seen any come to Deepdale or gone and seen any in the championship on the TV who are quite as good as him in terms of that. 
yeah, there was that misleading start one at the start of the season that we were, I think his shots to to goal ratio was like was pretty poor. Pretty much every shot that went that was on target went in. But that you just knew you've got confidence in him to to turn it around. And he's um, yeah, he's a he's a key key player for us, isn't he? I think the, the big one for him recently will have been that that save from John Fleck against Sheffield United. Yeah, massive save that you know in in the context of of the game and how it ended that that mu- that for him as a keeper that must have been like how Emil felt coming off after scoring a 95th minute equaliser yeah um, last point then on the Brum game it was I'm only ringing it up because it was in the replay in the highlights sorry so I don't know if you've got a different opinion or not Sam but should Bauer have had a penalty uh, my first Sort of thoughts. Obviously, when you're in the away end, it was right in front of us. I thought he'd gone down a bit soft, but then I watched it back this morning, and I also noticed that the game he's managed to take his boot off at the back. So yeah, there clearly has been some sort of contact there. Whether it it's one of them in it, the referee's always going to get a lot of flack from home fans if he gives that because it looks so minimal. So in, I wasn't expecting a penalty, but having looked it back, having looked back, and I think if there was VAR, we certainly might have had more of a shout for it. <laughs> what what do you think, Adam? <laughs> well, it, to me, it just looked like a dive. <laughs> but um, I've not seen the bit about the boot, so I, I, his boot came think, off fully at the back. Yeah. So. Uh, well, on, then he, on the, that, on he's either done it himself or, or someone's done it, hasn't he? When I, when I watched the highlights this morning, he, he sort of like points to his boot, like to the saying to the ref, like, "Look, there's there's clearly contact. It's not me." Um, yeah, I think I agree with you, Sam. It's one of them that if if he if he gives it or if he doesn't give it, he's not he can't can't do the right thing for either set of fans. I think, um, and yeah, it, I'm not. It's not one that I'm going to kick up a stink about. It's not um, not like the bloody the one that Emil should have had against Swansea. I know. Yeah, there was no was real appeals in the Preston end either. I think had nah. been sort of stone wall would have all been kicking off and a bit of a louder yeah. protest, but. I mean, everyone sort of appealed for it. It was very much half-hearted, if that. Yeah, boys, I think unless you've got anything else you want to say for, for part one, then we can we can wrap it up there. And Mention was, a, in fact, he's picked the same team up for so long. And yesterday, we seemed to sort of die down as the game went on. And obviously, it's the same starting eleven for, I think, the fourth game in a row, or the fifth, if you include Swansea before the break. So, is there a potential that the players are almost getting a bit fatigued because we sort of seemed to really drop the tempo the longer the game went on? And it was a similar story at... Bristol City, it was a similar story at West Brom. We're sort of hanging on at the end. Do you reckon potentially we need to mix it up changes-wise? Yeah, definitely. I thought I thought there would have been changes yesterday. Um, I don't know if either, if either of you tried tuning in for the absolute shambolic <laughs> Twitter spaces that me and George tried to do. But if anyone it. listening to this uh, did manage to hear me say anything on that yesterday, then uh, the one thing that I was saying was that I was massively surprised that, that there was no... I, I expected at least two, I think. thought Alan McCann would have come in for Ben Wyman because obviously he played 90 minutes on Tuesday night. And I also thought Josh Murphy might, as well as Sean Maguire has done, and obviously he's, he's got his goal on Tuesday, I thought Josh Murphy might have come in for Shawnee. Um just to give him a bit of a breather because... He came on in the like first ten minutes on Tuesday night, which obviously wasn't planned. So I think, yeah, 
I expected two yesterday. I'm almost certain there'll be changes against Stoke. Well, it has to be because Ledson's booked, isn't it? Ledson's fourth, apparently, I think. I thought it was, was, I thought it? It was his fifth at the time, but then Dave Seds tweeted it was his fourth booking of the season, but I was adamant he was on four already. Yeah, I thought both him and Whiteman were on uh, on four already. That was my four, but then I, I was there, like, I was checking Twitter on my way home, and then Seds had tweeted, oh, he's, oh, uh, yeah, it it was his fourth, fourth. booking. Yeah, but either way, I thought McCann and Murphy were lively when they came on, and I'd be quite surprised if they both did start on a Tuesday. I think um, I think when you're an inexperienced manager or head coach, I think it's the easy option to go unchanged, isn't it? You know, because it's you kind of well, well, you know, we're on an unbeaten run. I'll go unchanged rather than having the I don't know confidence to to mix it up a little bit. Um, and I don't know whether that is the case, but I do think it is just the, the easy option just to stay on change in a similar way that like if it is nil nil, you know, you don't make that early substitution or whatever. You kind of stick with what it is because it's kind of the yeah. easy option. And I think it's going to be something that he's, he's going to have to learn um, along the way in terms of, you know, just mixing it up a little bit like, you know. Which I think he will have to on Tuesday anyway because we've had quite a, we're going to have quite a, a number of games coming up. Um, but yeah, I was surprised as well. Well, it's what what is it? So we've got Tuesday, Stoke at home, Saturday is QPR away. Then we've got a clear break, midweek. To be fair, oh yeah, of course it is. It's international break, and then we've got a clear midweek after that. So, <laughs> do you know what? Like you just said, Adam. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if he goes unchanged again for the next two and just says to the lads, look, been on a good run. You got a bit of time off coming up with the international break. So I don't think anyone's been called up yet, but equally, I don't think any squads have been announced yet either. But yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if he just says like, look, try and push through if you can, because it, it, is, it is the easy thing to do. Do you reckon Frankie's got the the bottle to make the changes because it, I don't think anyone in that starting 11 at the moment is playing poorly and obviously if he takes Whiteman or Ledson out potentially they're going to be you know I don't think they'll kick up a massive fuss but they'll probably feel a bit hard done by I reckon Frankie sort of got the bottle to risk sort of I think changing up a the, little bit there's, there's been a bit of talk haven't there recently about his man management and how good it is to be at training and, and it's uh, not at Springy's at Exton so I, I feel like, yes, I think he would make the changes if he felt he had to. Yeah, I, I think he would. I think he started to come out of his shell a little bit more recently, to, to me anyway, from, from my point of view. Um, and, yeah, I, I think he would. I think that's what I was alluding to, yeah. That's that's what kind of what I was alluding to in that if he does make a change and then we lose on Tuesday, it's like, oh, well, why did you change it? There was no need to change it. Whereas, you know, if you need to change it, you will change it, but it's kind of the easy option just to, to stay unchanged. I think that's the, that's why the managers have paid the money, though, isn't it? I know Alex Neil got criticised a lot off the fan base for making so many changes, you know, because sometimes it worked for him, sometimes it didn't. That's just... The life of a manager now, you're paid to make the big decisions, aren't you? And if it does backfire, it tends to be on your head. Yeah, exactly. Just just on Alex Neil, actually. I've had a few, few people tweeting me referencing him and I'm like, why? Why are you bringing Alex up? He's not the club. I haven't mentioned him. I, well, oh, under Alex Neil, we'd have, we'd have lost these games, would we? 
I'd argue actually Alex Neal had a tendency to win games from time to time that or find a way of winning games that look like they were into a stalemate. That's what I was getting at before in terms of winning and losing. Well, it's all right. It's all right staying unbeaten and drawing games, but you know we're still fifteenth in the league. Um, you know we would have been sixteenth if Derby hadn't got a points deduction. So we're not. Um, you know, it's not. It's not all rosy in that in that respect where you can get carried away. Yeah. Thing that has massively improved with Frankie, though, is you look at how the how toxic it sort of was in and around the place on a after the defeat to Huddersfield. I mean, I saw some fans on Twitter trying to set up a poll to start protesting with flares outside where Ridsdale goes into the ground, which I thought was daft. But uh, one thing Frankie has done is he certainly there's no talk of that anymore, and the any sort of a frustration or potential threats in that regard towards Ridsdale seem to have died down. So massive credit to him for doing that. However, I think like, you know, the longer we go on without a win, the more that potentially may creep back in with the fan base, which obviously no one wants to do. Yeah, I think I think we said it last week and obviously we said it said it on this episode, you know, we might sound to some people like we're just finding an excuse to beat the club with a stick, but you know, credit where it's due. Frankie's turned it around. He, at least from my point of view, seemed to be under massive pressure at the start of the season. But you know, he, he's done it. He's done a great job to turn it around and get us to where we are. But it's now, and I, I think I'm probably not alone in saying that I've said something along these lines at the start of the season that the test for Frankie will be the course of the season, dealing with suspensions, dealing with injuries dealing with runs like this that we're on now, where we're unbeaten. But it's imperative that we start picking up wins. And and this'll this'll be the test the test for him. And this is this is potentially going to be the making of him as a manager. You know, can he figure out a way for us to start picking up more points and getting wins under our belt? Because if we don't soon, you know, fifteenth in the table two wins two wins have come against teams below us as well you know let's we'll come on to this in part two otherwise part two will just be dead short so yeah I'll go and get a brew and we'll be back in a bit Welcome back to part two of the From the Finney podcast. We're going to look ahead to the visit of Stoke City on Tuesday night. We've got a listener question from a co-host. And uh, we'll we'll look ahead to our trip to the Cayenne Prince Foundation Stadium on Saturday as well. Yeah, Jim, Jim's question is, we've got five league games before we play the cup game. How many wins do we need? I think it's quite... It's quite a simple question, but for, for context, the five league games are obviously Stoke on Tuesday night at home, Dyer, QPR on Saturday away, then Derby at home, Coventry at home, and then obviously the, the big one that everyone's looking forward to this side of Christmas, the uh, the Blackpool game away. 
looking at that, what what for you two is an acceptable points total from the, from those five games? I'd hopefully like to say realistically with I think a realistic goal with the start with Arden, you know, potentially the uh, I know with like the likes of Coventry up there, Stoke have had a fairly good start to the season, Blackpool are picking up form. Derby, I'm despite what's going on, have played relatively well this season. I think if we were to pick up seven points, two wins and a draw, hopefully one of the wins being Blackpool, of course, would be certainly an acceptable uh, return that I feel like no one could really kick up too much of a fuss about. Yeah, I mean, if you manage to get if you manage to get three wins out of that, you're looking at your home games and then seeing what you can get um, away would be good. I don't want, you know, you don't want five draws and five points, do you? So, um, yeah, I think three would be decent looking at the teams. Um, three wins or three points? Three wins. Oh, three gonna, points. <laughs> I was going to say. No. No, mate. Three points. Yeah, three three wins would be decent out of that. Yeah, I think uh, I'm with both of you. I think uh, anything from from sort of seven to nine points is is a good return. Um, but I think as well in this this run that's coming, it's going to be interesting how the the results come. If that makes sense, because if we lose the next two but win the last three, I would argue that especially with the fact that we've just drawn four in a, in a row, if we lose the next two, it could get very toxic. That's always a worry, isn't it? Considering the fact that that would leave us with two wins from 11 games. So we need the wins as soon as possible, really, because you don't want to yeah. be sliding down that table after you've paid, played sort of 10 to 15 games. That's when the table starts to sort of take shape. Yeah, when you look at it that way, the Stoke game is actually quite a, a big game in terms of how we, you know, how our season pans out after those first few games you know you get a win and you think yeah, it's actually not a bad um, start especially after the first three games and you lose it and you start looking over your shoulder don't you yeah. especially with the QPR game at the weekend as well which we'll come on to but... well a lot of people say don't they like oh, judge judge the, the start after 10 games or whatever but yeah I can't help but feel like 10 games is, is a little bit too early it just seems like a nice round figure that a lot of people have sort of got in their head. Whereas I think you're more likely to see where the table's headed and where, where your team could end up. Probably more around 15 to 20 games. And obviously, we've played nine now. This next five games before the Liverpool game, I think after that run, you're probably going to get a more realistic picture of, of where we could end up this season. Yeah, I think the first 10 games, I think it's important for you um, if you've started badly. You know, it's a good good, like barometer to try and see where you're going to sit. With the Championship, you can go on so many, you can go on a a decent run at any time, can't you? There's that many games. So it's about getting that momentum and getting, um, you know, going on a run at any point in the season. So Well, we saw it, didn't we, in Simon Grayson's last season. I think we we were like mid-table, not really doing much. And then was it after January in that that season before we left that we went on a bit of a run and was like, oh, playoffs could be an outside chance here. And then I think, was it uh, was it Huddersfield away when Aidan McGeady scored? And then, yeah. but we drew the game, I think, or did they win? They won in last minute, yeah. but Fugel gave a penalty away, I think. Right and then. I think that all but ended our 
I have hopes. But again, you know, it, it that was quite late on in the season, relatively speaking. And we went on a bit of a run of sort of like seven or eight games and it shot us right up the table. But on the contrary to that, in Alex Neal's last second to last season, uh, obviously the COVID season, you see how easy it can be to stay in a good position in the table. Because how many how many games did we just fail to pick up points? And so did other teams. I know that's not going to happen every season, but again, you know, it's the flip side to going on a good run that you, you it shows you can actually just get a bit lucky from time to time if you've already got that sort of ground and of a, of a good position in the table. We stayed six for ages, didn't we? That's bad, wasn't it? Everyone kept losing below us and we did. You'd always rather be getting chased than being the chaser, I always think, wouldn't you? Because at the end of the day, you've got that six spot to hold on to and you can know it's in your hands, which I think psychologically mm. can always be quite good. I don't I'm think we sure deal with that well, though. Yeah. No. I, I, yeah, I don't think we deal with it well. And I think I would always rather know that you're putting the pressure on the teams above you and how, how will they handle that pressure. Because when you're not in the playoffs but you, you're within a few points. Let's be honest, you've not really got the pressure on you of staying in there. Like, it, I think, especially for a, a, you know, a, a club like us, and where we're at now, I can't believe we're talking about the playoffs and we've won two games all season. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I personally, I would rather be the, the chaser than the chasey. That, we didn't deal with that, that second right place well in, in League One, did we? No. We didn't deal with that well at all. Ended up slipping the thing out. thing is, though, if, you look to a, if you look to Neil's their first season, we were the chaser on Derby County to the playoffs, you know, going into like the last four or five games of the season. And we picked up, I think it was 13 points from 15, and we still didn't get in the playoffs, which is, that's always the downside of being the chaser, isn't it? You can do your bit. True, yeah. And the other day, not get the reward for it. Yeah, I suppose there's, there's two sides to that coin, isn't there, really? But yeah, personally, I, I would always rather see us in a chasing position. I think because, I th- for me personally anyway, I would never be too disappointed if we didn't get there because I never really, apart from a couple of seasons under Alex, I never really go into a season expecting us to be top six. Probably a little bit pessimistic of me, but that's what a lifetime of supporting the North End does to you. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, so six six to nine points is is in, in that ballpark. Is is that what you'd consider to be acceptable? The pair of you, I'd say so. Yeah, yeah definitely. <clears throat> and and do you look at do you look at those five games and say that we we'd need a win in one of those first two games that's, that are coming up this week? Yeah, yeah you want to go into the international, international break. break. Yeah, yeah, like so. Yeah, we want to go into it positively. Because we did last time, didn't we? After beating Swansea and Peterborough, despite, you know, then only picking up six points from 15. We had that sort of positive mentality over the international break, which always helps when you don't play for a long time. Yeah. And for the players, I would imagine it's good to come into training knowing that you, you, you're going back into the season off the back of two wins. Absolutely. Stoke City then on, on Tuesday, what, what are your thoughts? They're... Uh... They're in relatively good form. They've only lost two of the last eight. Um, obviously, they, they won yesterday against uh, against Hull. The Hull side, by the way, have been absolutely garbage since we got absolutely pumped by them. Yeah, they've still not scored a goal, legal since, have they? 
I think they scored uh, one. I think they're on five. I, I, scored one, three goals. I thought it was four of them were against one. us. Yeah. How did we lose that? How did we get battered off them? <laughs> Mental, isn't it? God. Um, yeah, Tuesday. I've, I'm quite positive about Tuesday, to be honest. I think um, I think we'll get a win. Um, yeah, they have started well. So can't they? Fifth. Got some good players like Sawyers and, and Powell. But I think, yeah, I think I think we'll get a win. Two 0 First league game under the lights as well. Since obviously the COVID pandemic, so you always feel like they're always quite special nights, aren't they? For supporters, they get that feeling, and sometimes. Although we're not blessed with the best atmosphere in the world, where the fans get behind them and hopefully make it a difficult place to come. I think if we get start positively, get on the front foot early, I think it's certainly a winnable game. Yeah. I, th- I think as well, just something to, to give the club a, a pat on the back and a bit of praise for is this three for two thing that they've just, just launched. I wonder if, if that and this game coming up on Tuesday that might have bumped up the attendance a little bit if people are thinking, well, I'm spending 40-odd quid and getting three games. I can maybe go an extra game and get get a ticket for Tuesday night as well. Maybe puts an extra 500 on the attendance. But, yeah, it's something that a lot of people have called for. Um, and, you know, they've, they've done it. Three for two, Derby, Coventry and Luton all at home. Buy, buy two tickets, get a third one free. So yeah, yeah, hats off to the club for that. It's it's good to see them using a bit of bit of initiative to try and get more fans in the stadium off the back of what has been a good run. Well, an unbeaten run. Yeah, it's really good. I think you get priority or you get some sort of priority for the Liverpool game, don't you, as well, if you get it. Yeah. It's all one comment. Though, I, I noticed that they said that they're not accepting any new registrations. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think one thing that's good about this as well is uh, you can tell that all like, the regular fans you know, the season ticket holders have been really wanting the attendance for a long time. Now on Twitter, I don't think I've seen anyone kick off saying that, oh, well, as a season ticket holder, do I get this, that or the other? Because potentially non-season these, ticket these holders... These season ticket possible. holders forget that they also get free games by buying the season ticket. Yeah, I know. But that's what I mean. It, no one kicked off and it just seems like you know, everyone was behind it, which is good, really, because that's one yeah. I think thing every bothers every Preston fan is the fact that we haven't really got the same attendance or atmosphere that a lot of other championship clubs have. Yeah, Stoke are another, another side that play with a back three or back five. Um, they've, they've started with a back three in seven of the nine league games this season um, and obviously a back five in the other two. So another side that, that play... A similar formation to us. It, it's going to be interesting to see how we we cope with that because obviously, like like you said before, Adam, you know they've got they've got some good players in that side uh, and they're flying at the minute. Let's be honest. Yeah, I think I think we'll um, yeah, strangely optimistic for Tuesday. Yeah, so am I. I don't know why. I don't know what I'm basing it on. <laughs> Hopefully, sometimes you just get out, yeah, just those feelings, don't you? Uh, oh, another another. A little bit of praise. I was in the fan zone on Tuesday night and I thought it was brilliant. Great atmosphere. Decent beer now that they've got neck oil on. And yeah, just just nice to have something like that to, to be able to think, you know what, I'm just going to head straight to the ground. I can get there early, get parked up, not 
have to go into a pub and park a million miles away and then walk for 30 minutes potentially in the rain or 20 minutes in the rain or think uh, I'm not going to have a couple of drinks because I need to drive close to the ground to get parked up. It's just good. A good addition to match day, I think. That's one thing I think we've been lacking for a long time is that real match day experience. I mean, I noticed it more like as I grew a bit older going to the away grounds, you realise sort of the different things that I've done around other grounds. I felt uh, <clears throat> it's one thing that we were really lacking and it's nice that, you know, the club's sort of taking ownership of that now and trying to sort of move forward and create a more modern match day experience that a lot, a lot of clubs have had on offer for the last few years. Definitely created more of a buzz like, around the whole the whole because um, I go I'm in the town end so like it's definitely created a buzz where it's positioned um, and the, I think the atmosphere has been been pretty good so far this season um, so yeah it's a it's a good addition and if you've got neck oil on now then yeah I might have to go in Jake because it's better than a, a warm bottle of uh, Fosters or whatever they've still got the Fosters but the best thing about the fan zone is you can get a four pint picture of neck oil for 15 quid What's well, not to love? That's not bad at all, that's yeah. That's again. Um, and I tried to are, get in the um, <clears throat> the last the West Brom game. Yeah, but I couldn't get in. Um, it was but, like half an hour before kickoff, and they went, "Oh, you you definitely won't get a pint." So I was like, "All right, I'll leave it then." <laughs> yeah, there's one thing I will say actually is I'd recommend getting there early. Um, yeah, Stoke. What are your predictions? I think we'll win 1 0. 2 0. goal. We'll defend well. Despite my good feeling, I think we'll draw again. <laughs> okay, like, it'll be a 0 0 1 1, I think. Um, but I am hoping that my, my, my good feeling comes comes true and I'm, and I'm eating my words this time next week. Um, QPR on Saturday, another team that uh, started well. You know, the the tenth. I think at one point earlier on in the season they were in the playoffs and and obviously doing well, but they're only four points off off six. Um, Mark Warburton been there for a few seasons and sort of built a good squad over that time, and and it, obviously it's it's paying off now that they've had this good start to the season. What, what are your thoughts ahead of that? I think it'll be a tricky game. Obviously, you look at the squad and type of players I've got. I've got players like Andre Gray, Charlie Austin, Elias Sher, they're sort of top quality championship players that have been around and been successful in the past. So I think it's all about, again, I seem to say this every week, but if we can sort of defend these players and sort of like eventually put our own impetus on the game and sort of stretch their defence, I think it's certainly a winnable fixture. I'm not going into that game similar to I was like the West Brom one or the Sheffield United one where I'm sort of quite fearful of what they've got I'm just a bit more wary and I think certainly a winnable game I think one of them if we score early and sort of plant our seed on the game I think it's more than winnable like the Stoke one plant our seed on the game that's a new one have you not heard that before no have you heard that before Adam no I like it though yes yeah have to be my new catchphrase, won't it? <laughs> <laughs> the Sam the Seed Planter. Yeah, that's a bit weird. Yeah, no. <laughs> Avoid that one. <laughs> yeah, do you know what? Keep is just one of them clubs that I'm just so indifferent about. I think um, Warburton's on it. He's kind of built them up 
slowly it's been a bit of a progression, hasn't it, with them? But when you look at the options, they've got like Austin and uh, and Andre Gray, uh, Dykes. I think I think Austin and Dykes were both on the bench yesterday. So like you're looking at those options they've got compared to what we've got. Um, they've built a pretty decent side, haven't they? I'm not as optimistic as I am about they have lost a lot of, Similar to us, so they have lost a lot of players over the Warburton spell, aren't they? I know they lost Bright Samuel, they lost Abrici Eze, I think, the season where we're in lockdown. So they have uh, lost similar players to us, but I think in terms of their recruitment after that, it's probably been better than ours in terms of building up the squad so the loss of them players hasn't felt as bad. It's one of them grounds as well that, for whatever reason, recently, whenever we've gone there, I think barring a couple of seasons ago when we lost 2-0, we've had we've had a relatively good run there. You know, going, look at, just looking here, going, going back to, not that it means much for this game, because it doesn't, but going back to 2015, we've only lost one game at, at their ground. So, yeah, like I said, doesn't really mean much, but. It's a London away day as well. It's in a good location. It's always a good away day for the supporters. I know one that a lot of my mates always look forward to every year. So I'm sure we'll take a fair few down. Yeah, it probably yeah. won't be much of a surprise to anyone, but I'm not going. Yeah. Jimmy actually messaged yesterday and he was like, are you, uh, are you going on Saturday, Jake, or have I just asked a stupid question? And I was like, I think you've just answered your own question there, mate. <laughs> yeah, QPR, again, another side that play a variation of a, of a back three formation. Um, they've played 3-4-1-2, 3-4-2-1 and 3-1-4-2 in their nine league games so far. Um Obviously, coming into the game, having lost their last three, but you know they've played Bournemouth and West Brom in that, and they were all three games. They only lost by one goal, so you know it's going to be a tight one. There's not going to be much in it, I don't think. In fact, the only the only game looking looking at their last eight, the yeah the the, the three that they've lost, they've only lost by one. Then there's been a two two draw and a three 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 draw, so. Certainly yeah, going to be a not, tough game then, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. I think if we manage to get, if we win on Tuesday, <clears throat> if we manage to get four points out of these next two games, I'd say that's pretty decent going into the international break. I think, yeah, that that would feel like we're on the right track. I know it's four draws, but you, you know, you go back before that, it's two wins, four draws. So if, if you're going into the international break unbeaten with five draws and three wins, Certainly not the end of the world, and and it's a good, a good habit to be in is, is being unbeaten. You know, I said it before, and it, it, yeah, it'd just be one that you would imagine would give the lads confidence. Um, coming back from the international break, like we said after the last one, when we we came back off the back of two wins. Yeah, I think I think after I know we were like criticizing the draws and you know just being unbeaten before, but I think it's key to point out that after the terrible start we had I think the fact that we have steadied the ship a little bit and if you'd said to if you said to anyone after the first three games that we'd be sat on 10 points and 15th I think everyone would have would have bitten your hand off so it's where we go from there now isn't it and how we build from that so I think if we do get four points going into the international break it's probably been an alright start to the season really Yeah uh, just about I'd say so it's probably just about in the in the okay territory. Um, predictions? What what are you saying for for Saturday? 
Yeah, I'm going 1 1. I think we'll lose 2 1. Yeah, I think I think we'll lose 1 0. I don't again don't see there being much in it, but I think I think we'll just fall short. I just just hope that if we get a big chance it isn't a meal that misses it because it can't be arse of people giving him pelters. I don't know. I feel like a protective dad whenever I talk about Riggs. <laughs> Leave him alone. Um, yeah, boys, I think unless you've got anything else you want to say or anything else you want to you want to mention, then we can we can call that episode. No, mate, nothing else. No, I'm I'm all done. But yeah, another draw, another game unbeaten. Um you know, it's certainly not a bad place to be in, but how long now until, you know, people start getting on Frankie's back again if wins don't start coming? I think it's it's a big, big few weeks, obviously with the international break sandwiched in between for the club, to be honest. So, yeah, let's let's hope that we do start to pick up a few wins and, and we can get a few under our belt and, uh, and we can start to kick on a little bit. Cool, yeah. Cheers, boys. And thank you, listener, for listening to episode nine of the From the Finney podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. And yeah, we'll be we'll be back with you next week, as usual, for the last one before a week off. Um, yeah, cheers, boys. Thank you. Thank you.